Welcome to Order of Operations, a podcast about digital security for everyone. Tonight, uh, I've got Shmoo with me today again. She's going to help me talk to you about how to be anonymous and what it means to be anonymous online. And then later in the evening, we'll get into data recovery and data security. Hi, Shmoo. Welcome to the show. Hi. been a little bit yeah. since I've been here in the digital cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the digital cocoon. <laughs> what do you know about VPNs? Well, I know this topic stemmed from a discussion that we had. Um, well, okay, what do I know about it? I know it's a button that is on my phone. <laughs> I know that um, it's been something that uh, I've seen you use for a long time through work. And that later it got super popular and people wanted to watch Netflix shows from other countries. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so why don't we start with what those three letters actually mean? VPN. Oh. Yeah, super boring. Oh. But virtual private network. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was something like, I don't know, something way cooler. <laughs> no, it's actually Proxy pretty cool. Or something with an X in it or something. No, no yeah. Xs. But um. it's, it's pretty cool because you're taking a network and you're expanding it when you're using it for, for your office or work-related, that's generally so that you can be remote and have your laptop be on the same network that all of the resources that you're trying to use at work are on. And so we've taken the concept of a computer network and removed the physical locality of it. I can see from uh, your perspective as someone who works in the industry, like I see the the total geek stars. Like I totally understand that. I get it. But like as a, as a consumer and I'm like more of a normal person who's not doing that, um, I, I personally appreciate the fact that this tool kind of breaks down boundaries, like geography boundaries. And I think that is the coolest part of it. That is one super <laughs> strong feature of it. Another thing that it does is encrypt your traffic. Mm. So how to put this in a, in a non-geeky way. The, it is a good way to be on a non-secure network and keep the connections from your computer to wherever it is that you want to go in a known state. Does that make sense? Yeah, I always thought of it as kind of a connection condom. Yes, it is very much a connection <laughs> condom. That's, I mean, you, that's yep. pretty non-geeky, right? It, yep, so. it, it is a connection <laughs> condom. It, uh, it is encrypting the traffic from your computer or your device, your, your phone or your tablet to the, the endpoint of the VPN and makes that encrypted. So if you're on a, a public Wi-Fi network or a, an open network of some sort, you know, over at a friend's house or something, and you want to make sure that they're not snooping on your traffic, this is a tool that you can use. It can also be used to keep your ISP from snooping on your traffic. Uh, there's a lot of value in making sure that your ISP isn't regulating where you get to go. You know, there was a lot of talk in the last couple of years about how various ISPs could give preferential traffic when going to, say, one of their sponsors or something like that over traffic that was to one of their sponsor's competitors. And using a VPN will prevent that from happening. I had a lot of things to say like a bit ago, but now I can't remember what they were. They did have something to do with when we were discussing about, for example, when we traveled to Russia and traveled to different parts of the world. And I do remember at the time because we were traveling with our friend and he's a he's also an engineer. 
and somewhat paranoid, I guess you would say. And so we, I know we made sure to get on VPNs every time we were on any kind of Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. even at the apartments that we were staying at, hotels and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's an untrusted network. And so using a VPN, if you trust your VPN provider, then that is taking you from an untrusted network onto a trusted network. Can you trust the trusted network? <laughs> it gets very meta here, it, but it really, I mean, because well, I feel like now there's a lot of apps that have come up that say VPN this, VPN that, and, you know, so you can download all your favorite shows from BBC or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Uh, that's that's an excellent question. Can you trust your, your VPN provider? And that comes down to it's the same way that can you trust your ISP. For that, you have to do your market research. Uh, there are some notoriously bad VPN actors out there. They're basically, they want you to use their VPN so that they can track you. That mm. is the whole point because you're now proxying right. all of your traffic through them. So how would you determine that? Like, what would you look for? I recommend, you know, if you want really strong security, this it's not free. It costs is cloak. They have a a very strong reputation for keeping your data private, and they go to some rather large extremes to make sure that even if they wanted to, they can't snoop on your traffic, theoretically. So it's just reputation? They've done some technical things that they claim that I have not looked at their code, I have not... You know, well, people like me are them. not going to do Ex- that. Well, under- we look at star ratings but, yeah. on the iTunes store. <laughs> and that was going to be my my next comment was Yelp reviews or, you know, Google reviews, Apple iStore reviews. You know, all of these are a reasonably good source of reputation. I recommend against using free VPNs mm. because you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, if it's what's, free. But like, what's the worst that could happen? They are literally spoofing your traffic. And then what? Like, would they copy your identity and pretend to be you on? That is a thing that they can absolutely do, or they they can sell. They can sell your information to other disreputable Mm. people that want to do bad things with your data. Um, Most of the free VPNs aren't going to do that. It's just going to be ads. Mm. It's going to be your your general unsavoriness. Others will do traffic shaping and such, so that you know it's a faster connection to Target than it is to Kohl's Mm. or whatever. Traffic shaping. Yeah, that that's another topic. I, I've never yeah. heard of that before. <laughs> Shapewear uh, <laughs> for, for your people. I mean, you get what you pay for. And you have to remember, if you're not paying any money for the product, you are the product. Always. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's the same thing with your email provider. You know, you, you get free email from Google because they can show you ads. So for application purposes, so say you are uh, someone's, I don't know, Fumigating your apartment, so you have to go and work at the cafe for a day, but your credit card is due. So would you then go to Starbucks or something? And even though maybe you have signed in with a password, mm-hmm. uh, you would still use VPN? Would you recommend uh, something like that? I absolutely would. If you're on an untrusted network, don't trust the network. <laughs> and the whole point of a VPN is it's that virtual private network. So mm-hmm. you're you're now moving yourself from the untrusted network onto a trusted network for whatever value of trust that is. Trusting your VPN provider. We have it kind of easy because I build our you VPN. Build them. Yeah, yeah. I, I build them so we they're not just sexy. use they're not oh, sexy but speaking they of work. it a really funny one that I saw was I can't remember the name of the program, but it allowed you to download things from other countries app stores. I thought it was so hilarious because you you hit it and then it's like a a bear that tunnels through a map and it growls and then you pop up and you have now a connection in that country. So I think that's funny and it's definitely cute. I'm sure people use it for fine purposes, but actually, is that legal? No. 
That's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, mean, I think all of us are guilty at some point of like, I don't know, trying it, to get Australian it, it, TV shows or yeah. something. Is it legal to cross <laughs> a, a street, not at a crosswalk? Mm. And so the if you're using it to steal content, then no, that that is straight up theft. If you're using it to access content that you have bought but don't happen to be in a geographical location that gives you access to it, mm. then no, you're just putting yourself where you have legitimately bought that content. It is still technically illegal, and I don't recommend doing it. I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer. But what if I really want to watch that video from, I don't know, if I'm in Germany, I want to watch something on Fox News or something, or ABC. Yeah. Yep. I have mean, trouble that, doing that, that in the US. What, and... Yeah, that's what VPN, you know, using a VPN will allow you to, will often allow you to do that. Not all VPNs are created equal. Some services are way smarter, smarter than, than others. <laughs> yep. And some VPN services use, you know, have a, a published list of endpoints and then things like Netflix and Fox News and, you know, whatever the providers are know that these endpoints are the only traffic that comes across that is VPN traffic from overseas. So they know to block those IPs. So your VPN isn't going to work anyway. I love that meme that was the words that piss off people from these countries the most. And the <laughs> yeah, one for Germany, Germany was video yeah, is not available in your area. area. Yes. <laughs> uh, very, very true. Yeah, right, we're getting so... into the moral discussion of do you have rights to your data? And I'm probably a bit anti-establishment in saying that I bought the data. It's mine. I, I can access it wherever the hell I want. Fuck you. I've given you my money. You know, you, you got what you wanted from me. And... <laughs> There's no reason for me to not be able to access it. Well, you're uh, a philosophy major, so I think yeah, you like I, to debate ethics. W w wiggle around <laughs> in that a little bit. And I love the idea of globalization, so hey. yeah, yeah, there's that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, more to the point is that it doesn't have to be for subverting, you know, the man or anything like that. It it is useful in even inside the country. You know, I want to I'm, I want to access my, my bank account, but I want my data to come from my network, not mm -hmm. from your network. And there's very legitimate and valuable uses for this. This isn't just a tool for stealing things or anything like that. Yeah, but oh, that reminds me, because I have gotten a couple of times where like a credit card where actually just even my regular card in Europe, and like that never happens because I feel like around here it's so much less likely, I feel, for your card number, not your card, but your card number to get stolen. So I was very shocked when it, it did. So could that have been a Starbucks check-in? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some I mean, so, something like that um, could have been, you know, you putting your, your, star, your credit card information into, you know, you're sitting at the Starbucks and you bought something online and right. you put your credit card information in there. That's a, a good way to have it stolen. Here, using a U.S. credit card in Europe, you know, especially before the the U.S. cards finally got chips, and even though there's still chip and sign instead of chip and pin, uh -oh. they still had, you know, they had to swipe, and the swipes would, mm -hmm. weren't tokenized, whereas the, when you use the chip, then your transaction's tokenized, and so there's a lot of, that's getting off into right, PCI which is why I was really surprised that my German card got number got stolen rather than, because in the U.S., oh, yeah, all the time yeah. you swipe it, someone yeah. puts something there, that's happened a lot, Yeah, not here yet. So. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Some other tools that you can use for when you're trying to access data from a 
from an anonymized source, which is often the case of what you're trying to do when you're using a VPN, is using tools like Tor or Onion, or the two in combination. The problem with VPNs, and ends up being the same problem with Tor, is that all of your traffic's coming from the same place. So while it's not coming from your house anymore, it's always coming from this one location. You can attribute that IP address with this content being to this person. Mm. And the metadata that's encapsulated in your HTTP request, you know, when your web browser requests when you're doing that sort of thing, even though it's through a VPN, you can often glean a lot of data from that. Using something like Tor makes that more distributed, and then using something like Onion on top of that adds, as the name suggests, layers. Of, <laughs> and the reason it's called onion is because the, the traffic is now going through many layers. Like oh, an onion. I thought it was because it makes people like me cry. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> that too. It, so can you explain what it is? Because I actually don't think you've, like, in, what's the elevator pitch? <laughs> uh, it's, these are anonymization tools. Okay. It's, it's a way to anonymize your traffic. And it can be really useful when you're doing things like market research, or even product research. I want to find out about what the best tomato slicer on the market is, but I really don't want thousands of tomato slicer ads uh. the next time I'm going through and doing things, but I want to spend the next half hour, 45 minutes, finding out the most information that I can about this one-off thing that I really don't care about in my life. So you can use an anonymization network mm. tour and or Onion to do that research and then it won't be attributed to you. Oh, so bet, some of the things yeah. that these do is they create, they go so far as to create proxy web browsers. So your browser makes a request to the Onion network and that uses a fake browser to make the request so that you can't even use the metadata that's on your browser to associate that information with you. Mm. Yeah, it sounds potentially very evil. All right. Abusable. Abusable, it has abusable uh, written uh, all uh, over it. Uh, abusable is a much better term there. I don't like the term evil. You know, evil is intent. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, and, that's what I mean. Abusable. So, or if yeah. you're, I guess you're a tester and you're yeah. like, testing stuff. I don't. Or hmm. you, there's data that's freely available from a given source, but they, for instance, rate limit and say that you can only search this data once every day, and you have something that you want to get that data updated every five minutes. You can use something like this so that it doesn't see that your requests are coming from the same place and block that. Oh, wow. So you could totally rig like your school, your kids, like vote for the best basketball team mm -hmm. in the state yep. <laughs> or for a bake-off. Yep. Mm, as I said, abusable. <laughs> totally <laughs> abusable. There are legitimate uses for it and there are illegitimate uses mm -hmm. for it. This um, one hasn't gone like completely uh, household name yet. No, least. and it's, so, it, it's still, you know, it's not household easy to set up install. It's not like your, you know, Apple TV, which is too complicated to set up. Or your VPN that or, growls. Or your VPN that growls. It's, you know, you have to, to build it and put it together. And, you know, okay. lots of people will write in, oh, no, it's so, so easy to use. And it is if you want to put in that effort and energy. If you just want to look up tomato slicers. I thought they made, I don't that. know, what, what is a tomato slicer? I, I think no I'm going to look I'm at just, that up after I'm, we're done. I'm just <laughs> could say porn, too. Oh. You know, if you wanted to look at porn but didn't want them, didn't want it showing up on your computer. I wonder what kind of ads our listeners will get. <laughs> really interesting ones. 
All right, we're back from eating noodles. <laughs> Yum. Fly noodles. Yeah. yeah. How do you keep your your data safe? Oh, this wow. is different. This is a big one. Yeah. So, so when you when you reaching. when you lose everything. When you lose your phone because <laughs> you, you're busy working with one of your students and someone grabs your phone. Yeah. What, what do you do? You uh, feel good knowing that you've already backed everything up. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. It's kind of like the dentist, right? It's all about prevention. <laughs> yes. Yep. And they always say cheerfully, and it's always painful while you're doing it. I mean, but it's more painful when you haven't. Yeah. Yep. A lot of things with your phone and your tablet. These will use Google Play or iTunes, or actually it's iCloud. iCloud now. I'm so up on the times. So your apps and a lot of your app data, not all of it, but a lot of it, is automatically saved. Apple and Google know which apps you've bought, so you don't need to worry about backing up that data. You can just download it again with when you get your new phone. I'm intimately familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some of the app-specific data is going to be local to your phone if you don't back up your photos with iCloud or the or Google Play version thereof, and you lose your phone while you'll get the Photos app back. The photos themselves may be a little bit trickier. And so Dropbox offers tools for doing this. You can do it manually. You can back it up to your computer, which is a lot of people do. That's probably the default way to do it is just every time you plug in your, your phone to your computer, it takes 20 minutes and does a backup. So I have to say that I cannot remember the last time I'd actually connected my phone to my laptop. But I remember back when I first started using iPhones, that was something that they recommended you do, and they would warn you if you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. But I think when the capacity on the phone got to be like 500 gigabytes, I mm -hmm. think that that seemed to be faded away. And then cloud storage and all mm -hmm. that became much more common. But yeah, but I would just say. You have to pay for it. You have to pay for it, yeah. And, and but, you get what you pay for. Again, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've hit, this, hit on this theme <laughs> repeatedly. Well, it can't be said enough. Yeah, well, two but, things. Never use the same password twice, and you get what you pay for. I think that's, that's going to be the motto of the show from now on. You and get... don't leave your phone on the table in any place in the world. Just, <laughs> just don't, don't do it. Um, but I have to say that, you know, despite it being an inconvenience and logging into all my, my apps again and downloading only the apps I needed and updating my phone because my old phone was like two years old. out of date and it was burning it was up my hand every four, time I had four it Four years on. out of date. But yeah, yeah, it was an old phone. But, you know, it's it was actually okay. So... You know, I don't use um, iCloud. I don't know if anyone out there is yes, listening. Do. I mean, sorry, I don't use iPhoto. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I do use iCloud. That was great because, honestly, like the contacts, it's really my contacts because when you, I don't know, I feel like everyone you talk to, even if you add them on WhatsApp, like it asks you to create a contact, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually am really glad that it did that. I used to like curse and be like, why do I have to do this? And I don't know their last name and whatever, but... That was fine because everyone I met is in there. And even if I had to create a whole new WhatsApp account, which is annoying, um, I'm still able to reach out to them. If you were meaningful enough in my life, <laughs> if I can remember talking to you, then you got a message for me. So, um, but photos, the um, iPhoto thing I found, I don't know, as a photographer in this day and age, iPhoto was not enough. iCloud storage for that was not enough. So I definitely had Dropbox doing the second um, level of backup rescue for me because yeah. I have tens of thousands of, of phone photos. Um, 
but you know you don't need to re-download that to your phone. I just no. I'm really glad that it's there and I can uh, you know go into it and pull them in when I need to refer to some blackmail moment. <laughs> it's really <laughs> really all about blackmail moments. But thank you also for setting me up with one password because really through all of that and really that's really most of what I needed that and trying to remember what it was that I where I put each square yeah. on the phone because I'm very particular about location and color of my apps. <laughs> now we're getting a bit into your OCDs there, yeah. but uh, a couple of points. One, like your phone is the, the as much the key to your life as your email address is the key to your digital life. So one thing that's very important is the ability to remotely wipe your phone when it's lost. I learned that one. And um, I guess thieves are smarter now. They like turned it off minutes, like not even five minutes, I think, after it was stolen, so couldn't really track it more than two minutes after, and then it was off. And um, I don't think the, the remote wipe command actually ever reached it, because I don't think it actually got turned on. Yeah. And <laughs> then follow up on that is there's the fact that you use a, a good password for accessing your phone. You have the biometrics, so you can have a complicated password. It makes it more trouble than it's worth most of the time. Again, unless you're being targeted, chances are the thieves are just going to wipe the phone. They just want the hardware, mm -hmm. and they're looking to resell that. But don't take that for granted. Keep your devices encrypted. Keep them secure. Make sure there's a password on it, and a complicated one. You know, having 1234 as your password is, is not good. <laughs> um, In my defense, can... I did not have 1234. Correct. The, the four-digit pin is the default. Actually, Apple's changed it to default as six-digit now, and I highly recommend at least that. You know, it'll take someone five minutes to crack a 10,000. 10,000 is four digits? Yeah, four digits gives you 10,000 options. So mm -hmm. it, yeah. As it's decimals there, you can just count the zeros. The only <laughs> thing I was truly worried about was if they were able to get in, bypass that, my email is like, the first thing you see at the bottom of the bar. Mm -hmm. Because as we discussed, like if someone gets a hold of your email, you're pretty much, you're open to anything. Yep. <laughs> and these tools offer you ways to log out of systems. You know, so like if someone got into your app and had access to your email, well, they would need to open that onto the internet. Then the kill signal will come for the device. Or if they copy the, the information off of that and are using a proxy for that, that won't get killed, but you would see those requests coming from an unusual IP, Google, and I know both Google and Facebook are good about going, hey, there's an unusual login. We recommend that you wipe your cookie, you know, kill all of your sessions. So going back to the uh, backup discussion that we were having. Yes, making sure that your backups are as secure as your live data is very important as it's another vector for getting data about you. You know, you keep your phone perfectly secure, but you're backing this up to your desktop that you have at home and you think that, you know, it's no big deal. There's no password on that. It's not encrypted. Somebody who's actively targeting you for some reason, they go, okay, I want to get all of the data that I can on Shmoo Toyna. Then go and break into your house and get that hard drive that has the backups of all of that and it's all bare. While you keep all of your data very secure on your phone, the backups aren't. And that's a vector that people use. So make sure that you treat all of your data equally. It reminds <laughs> me of uh, you. I don't think you've watched that. It was this Netflix show where he was stalking her to create perfect life, but he 
yeah, he was, I don't know. I, I kind of wished it's not your kind of show at all, but curious from your perspective of how real it is for, um, you know, some dude who has some knowledge of technology to, you know, stealthily get her phone. And then suddenly he's like duplicating all of her messages on his phone. So mm -hmm. he knows who she's talking to all of this stuff. It is feasible. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that is not outside of the realm. It's not easy, but it's not... Something a bookstore clerk could do. <laughs> Probably not your average bookstore clerk. Um, I don't know that I could simply do that, uh, as simple as the TV show makes it look. But it, it's there absolutely is uh, cloning software out there, often used for very legitimate purposes, like parents wanting to keep tabs on their kids. Now, that's, again, getting into some moral gray areas. And we don't do, do really I have, have any authority to... Yeah. Uh, I have no, no authority on this. Yeah. But it's, you know, whether that's right or wrong, there are, there are lots of tools for cloning messages from uh, known spaces. Uh, workplaces use this often also, if for no other reason than recording customer interaction. Sometimes it's a little bit more monetary than that, making mm -hmm. sure that your employees are only doing things that they're supposed to do. But again, the intent here is, is often a positive one, but like all technology, you can it, it's abusable. Double yes, a, 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 a bookstore clerk can totally steal your phone and hack into it and they'll duplicate all of your messages. Yeah, totally super simple to do. No. He was able to get away with murder, too. So. That, yeah, you know. <laughs> pretty bright We're, we're, we're set, setting the bar pretty high here. <laughs> I don't think I can get away with murder, so. Do you feel like you can do a better job of data backups now? And For my phone or, like, I don't know, my computer, that was another issue as well when I suddenly dumped an entire cup of pint of coffee on my laptop last year, and I suddenly was being tested on how well was my stuff backed up because... <laughs> Never been able to get into that computer again. So, um, I don't know. I feel much more prepared. In the last two years now, I have had catastrophic loss of both devices mm -hmm. that I rely on heavily for communicating with the outside world and my business. So, I don't know. I feel very ready. Yeah. Um, but if I had to summon up three steps, could you help me with that? One is definitely... Make sure you use backups. Would you recommend also cloud backups? Yeah, I highly recommend off-site backups. And the easiest way to get off-site backups is the cloud. Data redundancy. Mm -hmm. So for like your work and your photos and such, all of that is on an external uh, disk array, which is set up for local data redundancy, it's using RAID 5 for those who want to look into the geekiness values of that. But what that does is it, every file is written multiple in multiple places on the array so that if one of the hard drives fails, you're still okay, the data is safe. The thing though that I'm super extraordinarily clumsy and if I just dumped another cup of coffee on that whole thing, I'm not yeah. so sure that'll yeah. fare that well. Yeah. So, <laughs> catastrophic failure here where all four drives fail or the house burns down or someone breaks in and steals it, what have you. The, all of that data gets backed up to the cloud periodically. So there's this isn't a daily thing. We should probably we do it do manually, that. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It'd be great if you could do Oh, you can't automate it. I'm sure I, that'll I be should. great. Now I'm showing my underwear. The, I, I totally <laughs> have this completely automated, I swear. But yes, it's... Uh, 
we're going with the safe enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. which is often a problem. If there was catastrophic failure, we would lose months of years. No months oh, of data. Oh, that's right. It has been a matter of months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I also it's not a complete backup. But I also upload my most of my JPEG versions, web versions, to uh, Smugmug, which is a, another yeah. uh, cloud-based yeah. photo hosting photo host. service of your choice. So you have your local redundancy. And then you back that up offsite so that if something physical happens, you're covered. One question, I guess, because I work with a lot of other photographers and other creatives, let's just say, that have digital means, and they all still use the plugin like hard drive. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious from a cost perspective is it really more cost effective to buy one of those that's like really big, really tough? You know, um, but it's still spitting disk, and I guess it doesn't. I don't know if that gets backed up. They probably do, but and, and yeah. versus like Dropbox or something, which is uh, several terabytes, and I know that's a monthly cost, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, would you just back so up that drive to something like that's, cloud? That's my recommendation. Is you have your local durable data and remote durable data. We made it so that your external drive is both a working data source and a durable data source. But that's just because I'm overkill. Right. It's not portable. <laughs> I cannot portable. bring that with yeah. me to the cafe and work yeah. with other people. So that's the advantage of the small, you know, single de- uh, single drive external devices is that gives you that portability. Having, you know, some people just have a, a stack of those. You can have, you know, you have 10 of those and two, you know, One's a duplicate, you know, there's a duplicate of each of them. So you have five sets of data in 10 drives. Half of them you keep at your, well, some of your friend's house. Yep. And <laughs> there you go. You now have offsite data. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a cycle for that. I, I know one person that I used to work with, that's exactly what he did. He made two copies locally, kept one at his house and then one at his parents' house and did that until he got his or his parents moved to someplace that had a good enough internet connection that he could just do it remotely. But, uh, yeah, ever, you know, and every six weeks he's, you know, for whatever the cycle was you know, going over to his parents' house for dinner, he'd go and swap drives. And part of, part of every, every event was, okay, hold on, mom. I got to spend half an hour with my Wow, that's very diligent. I would imagine was, most people was do a very, not. He was a very diligent type of person. No, I do not do I, that. I am not willing to spend that much time <laughs> doing that. I, Wow, just, especially if you have vid- video files or something. I mean, can you yeah, imagine? It's just the, the, the cloud is the cloud for a reason. Yeah. And it is just somebody else's computer, but you're renting it, and <laughs> and they have to deal with all of that. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what you're paying for, which gets back to the point of make sure those things are encrypted. Encrypted. Okay. Yeah. Always encrypt your hard drives. Nowadays, it's just, a, you know, when you're formatting a hard drive, you know, a new drive, and you, you plug it in for the first time, Almost every operating system mm-hmm. says, do you want to encrypt this? Just say yes. It just it's, feels too easy, I guess. So, like, I didn't really do anything. <laughs> it is too easy nowadays. And you set up that key when you first configured your computer. And this does give you the problem of if you lose everything, then you're not going to be able to access that data because it's encrypted and you won't yep. have any devices that can unencrypt that. Yep. One password's your friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> it keeps Put these keys there. it keeps yeah. these keys safe and durably backed up. 
And I like that you can put more than logins. Yeah. I actually don't use that feature very much, but I should. Uh, I, I have my credit card information in there. <laughs> I have my personal data. Like my, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly confident in talking about this. I keep my passport data in there, my driver's license information. If you break into my one password, you, you've you got me by. everything you, you know, get. <laughs> you, you've got me by the short hairs. Um, With your 60... Thousand. No, no, I cleaned character, up. I, I, oh, you no, know, oh, character password. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's a, it's only sixty four characters. It's not that long. I think that's about it for today. Yeah, now it's time for dessert. Yum. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.